Well, good morning and uh, welcome to our continuing Bible study in the book of Luke. And we're in the beginning of chapter 19 today. Although it's uh, just a continuation of what we were looking at in chapter 18. But, uh, if you'll join me in, in, in Luke uh, 19, we'll just read this uh, first section that... Uh, Deals with uh, Zacchaeus here in Jericho. <clears throat> Luke nineteen one and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And remember, in our previous lessons in chapter eighteen, he was near Jericho when when uh, coming up to Jer- Jericho when he, he when he gave sight to the blind man that we studied in our last uh, lesson. Uh, receive thy sight up to look is what those words meant and then so now he's entered and passed through Jericho and behold there was a man named Zacchaeus which was the chief among the publicans or the tax collectors and he was rich and he sought to see Jesus who he was and he could not for the press because he was little of stature and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he is gone to be the guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, Half of my goods I give to the poor, and I, if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day salvation is salvation come to this house for so much, as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Boy, what a tremendous block of Scripture there. And we were kind of kidding around this morning a little bit and talking about all the many times of flannel graphs and everything about Zacchaeus up the tree and the being a little a wee little man and all the songs we sang and and everything but there's just so much more to this than and you know uh we have to go back to the old testament and it's there and you know our our last lesson showed that Jesus came into the area of the city of Jericho. And, you know, in Jericho, uh, I was reading some archaeological stuff the other day, and and it turned out Jericho is like one of the oldest uh, walled cities in history. It's got the oldest known walled uh, protections for a city in, in that the archaeologists have been able to find. So, but... Uh, <clears throat> You know, we when we were studying that uh, Jesus visiting those cities up there, Capernaum and and all those towns up there on the north end of the sea there, and they were walled cities and and those people were secure in those walls, and that was kind of the topic of our lesson: how people were secure, and the Lord tears down those walls <coughs> that we depend on and and gets rid of them and. And he says, "Woe, woe unto Capernaum! Woe unto 
all those towns that depended on those those kind of things. And we see the same kind of scenario here in Jericho, and and <clears throat> so we have this this walled city, and the the original walls they said were like twelve feet tall and three feet thick, and they were just. Uh, uh, I think uh, I was reading a little bit in Arthur Pink's book on Joshua. He said they were unassailable, unassailable, and so these people that lived there, they'd heard of the Israelites and their God, and yet instead of repentance, they they closed themselves in. We find if we go back to the Old Testament and. And a city that was given over to idolatry and the the worship of the moon and I uh, there's a when you look at the etymology of the word Jericho, some have it that it's that was the name of the moon god that they a variation of the name of the moon god that they worship, but it also has a, a reference to uh, a pleasant fragrance uh, and the the f- perfume place, I think, is what it might be called, <clears throat> and uh, it was one of the cities that the the spies reported on in in Numbers chapter thirteen, verse twenty eight. the The spies came back, and we were talking a little bit about that a little bit this morning too. That the spies came back and said, the ten spies came back and said, "Oh, the cities are walled and they're great, and there's." The sons of Anak there, the giant people were there, and we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't win. And so, uh, you know, if we <clears throat> we go back to Jericho, it's it's just so interesting. And and as time after time after time after time, we always try to connect the New Testament and the Old Testament because they're the same. There's nothing new in the in the New Testament. And everything in the New Testament was recorded or told in the Old Testament, and it all points to Christ. It's all, all Him. And so, if we go back to Joshua, the book of Joshua, and Norman will be covering some of this in, in Numbers chapter thirteen as well. But in Joshua uh, chapter five, when the when the Israelites came into that area around Jericho. In Joshua 5.13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or against or our adversaries? And he said, the, this person that he was looking at, he said, Nay, but as captain of the Lord, of the host of the Lord, am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord to his servant? Uh, And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. And well, you know, you've all probably read this uh, hundreds of times about uh, the the Lord gave instructions on what they were to do for the to overcome that, and 
and <clears throat> the wall city. They marched around it and sounded the trumpets. I this, that trumpet just the declaring the truth of the gospel. That's what that trumpet noise does. Just says, here is the truth. And you can wall yourself off from it all you want to. You can hide behind your wall of free will. You can hide behind your wall of good works. You can hide behind your wall of keeping the law. All those things are coming down when the Lord sounds that trumpet of his truth. And so this walled city is overcome by the Lord of hosts and it's given over to the hand of Joshua who is a type of Christ there and we find his name even as a type of Christ in the Old Testament uh, Hebrew versus the Greek and Joshua J- Jesus and and this city was destroyed by God as was written in Joshua everything was destroyed except a remnant according to the election of grace and who do we find that he saved out of there Rahab the harlot and her kin And if you'll go down the genealogy of Christ, you'll find her name prominently posted in that amongst those names that she was in the line of Christ. And yet we find the Lord of hosts was there for his his person, his, uh, as uh, Norm was pointing out this morning, uh, in uh, Luke 13, a daughter of Abraham was there, even though she was of this Canaanitish tribe that, that was in that walled city. She was a daughter of Abraham, and they're called children of Abraham, as he pointed out in Galatians. Uh, it, <clears throat> so here we have this this picture of the Lord, the captain of the Lord's host, and he created all of that. And then there he's standing there talking to Joshua and saying, you know, I'm coming back for for some of my folks here about 1,500 years from now. I'll be back. <laughs> and Rahab the harlot and her kids, it's kind of like Noah and, and eight saved souls by water uh, in the ark. And so this city is destroyed, but the the Lord's people are taken out of it. They're saved alive. And so what... What was pictured thousands of years before is being reproduced in this very chapter in in Luke uh, chapter 19. And you know it's interesting that Joshua, when they when they destroyed that city and they and they took Rahab out and everything, he pronounced a curse on that city in uh, Joshua 6:26. Uh, he said a curse on the city and any man and his children who would rebuild it. And uh, yet later on, we find in Second Kings, Jericho is described, uh, the, remember Elisha and Elijah were there in that area and uh, there was a school of prophets there and uh, it was a it was a place that had been redeveloped and in and, and just as in fulfillment it was just as Joshua said, the, the guy that rebuilt it and his son were had problems and but <clears throat> it's interesting that they called that in Second uh, Kings 
They said, this is a pleasant place, <laughs> but there's no water and it's barren. <laughs> Isn't that interesting how that it's kind of an oxymoron thing. It's really a pleasant place, but there's no water and it's barren. Won't grow anything. <laughs> and, you know, it's just a picture of how we view this world in our lost condition. There's no water. And it's a barren place. But we like it pretty good. <laughs> and, you know, Elisha, that the prophet of the Lord, you, remember, you, know, you know the story, Elijah uh, was taken up and, and he told Elisha, well, if, if you see me when I'm taken up by the Lord, he says, then you'll know the Spirit of the Lord is going to be on you and what, what will you have? And he says, well, I'll have a double portion of the Spirit on me that you have. And, and he says, and that'll happen if you see me taken up. And of course he was taken up and, and Elijah gave him his mantle and uh, that same mantle that Elijah had used to strike the water there in the Jordan River and they passed over dry. And, and then Elisha took it and did, did the similar thing with it when, when he took over. And, and the, the school of prophets they said, well, maybe Elijah's just like off on a trip somewhere. Or maybe he's high. Maybe the Lord deposited him in a canyon somewhere or on a mountain. And so they said, we'd like to send 50 guys out to look for him. And, and Elijah says, I don't think that's a good idea. Because I saw him. I saw him go. And, and they, they kept insisting. And finally he was embarrassed. And he said, okay, send out your 50 and they come back and say, well, we can't find him anywhere. So I told you. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, they came up to uh, Elisha and said, you know, this is a pleasant place. And in Second Kings chapter 2, you can find this account here. And in, in, in verse 18 through 22. And this is just fascinating, this this little paragraph about Jericho and how it had been cursed and it was a barren place with no water. And when the prophets of Jericho came to him, that came to Elisha, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, Did not I say unto you, Go not? He says, Don't. I don't want you to go search for Elijah, who was taken up by God. And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of the city is pleasant. And as my Lord seeth, but the water is not, and the ground is barren. And Elisha, <laughs> Elisha says, Bring me a new cruise. What a picture. He takes a new cruise, a new creation. And he said, And put salt therein. Boy, what is what visions that conjures up for us? When when I found you, by the way, you were unsalted and you were in your blood, and I I took you and gave life to you. He takes a new cruise and puts salt therein, and they brought it to him, and he went forth to the spring of waters and cast the salt in there, and said, "Thus saith the Lord, I've healed these waters." 
There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. And so the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake. And it became a, it became a pleasant place. It became a, uh, there was a, a, it's a kind of a Greek sounding name, uh, Archelaus, I think it was. He designed and built some of the world's most famous gardens there, and they were that city became famous for its fragrant gardens and its giant uh, groves of palm trees that waved in the wind on that that wind, and it gave off that fragrance of the all the plants and flowers they had there, and the palms and everything, and and it was just famous for groves of graceful palms and. And it was a place where trade routes converged from the north and the south and the east and the west. And places for all these merchants came from all over. And it was a wealthy place. It was a place of a lot of commerce. And it was a place conquered by the Romans according to the determinate counsel of God. All these things, it's just fascinating how all these, uh, boy, it just always reminds me of our fabric of grace, all these different threads that are interwoven and, and, and linked together to accomplish the purpose of God and the redemption of the church. All these things come together, and they're all pictured in the Old Testament and carried out there. And, and, and the New Testament is just a continuation of that. It's, there's there's nothing different, but there many of the things that we see are pictured in the Old Testament, and and then they're they're kind of brought to explanation in the New Testament, as it were. And so here we have this this rich city that's been made pleasant, and here we have this tax collector named Zacchaeus, who's a chief tax collector. Then because there was so much commerce there, there was so much going on, they had a tax collector that was in charge of income tax. There was a tax collector who was in charge of of uh, transportation. There was a tax collector in in of personal tax, property tax, harvest tax, livestock tax. They all had their own little thing. And the the orders from Rome was that province is going to give me so much money. I don't care how you get it. Your job as tax collector is to tax that that realm and you give me so many dollars. And whatever you get beside is that's your business. As long as I get what I wanted, the rest of it is up to you. And so they became very creative in their taxing and you know, they would, well, you got a four-legged donkey. That's like a buck and a half a leg. <laughs> There's 18 spokes in your wheel. <laughs> and buck a spoke <laughs> on each side. And, and, you know, they were creative. And, and Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector, he would get all the revenue from that plus a little something for himself. <laughs> and he became very wealthy. And, and the Jews hated him. Because here, this guy is an extortioner, you know. I went to, I brought my my wagon load of 
pomegranates in last week and he charged me for tax on every seed in the pomegranate and he taxed me for how many animals I had pulling my cart and he taxed me for how many boards were in my my trailer and and how many spokes in my wheel and blah 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 and they just hated him and he said on top of that they're giving the money to the Romans the pagan Romans who we hate and who have conquered us there's just nothing that they liked about tax collectors and you know in, in Luke I think there's half a dozen mentions of publicans starting with Matthew Levi a tax collector we, who the Lord called and he was always having supper with the tax collectors and the sinners and and so you find all these accounts of publicans in, in the book of Luke many times and and so here's another one, Zacchaeus. And, you know, he, the way those tax collectors work was the Romans would t- set up shop in this town and they would say, okay, we need a tax collector. Uh, we're open, we're going to open bids for the tax collector job and people would vie for that position because they were knew they could make a lot of money but there were going to be social and economic uh, uh, consequences of that with their people but the money overcame a lot of that but they didn't have any friends they they nobody would associate with them because they were extortioners and ro- remember that publican and the and the Pharisee from chapter eighteen. Well, I'm glad I'm not like other men, especially not like that tax collector guy who extortioners and robbers and the worst sinners that there are on the planet. And they didn't have many friends, so that oftentimes we find when Jesus goes to have supper with them, there's nobody there but sinners and publicans. Zacchaeus would have said, I'm having a supper. I'm at, Jesus is coming. And who is he going to invite over except all the, the sub-tax collectors that were under his realm because he was the chief tax collector. And so he would have them over and they were probably in the same condition. Nobody liked them. They were ostracized from society. They were sinners that everybody hated. And yet, here was a friend of sinners that came you know in in Luke 18 we were taught that Jesus came nigh to Jericho again where he'd stood some 1500 years before And he he healed one whose blindness must be removed in order to look up and see the kingdom of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And now at Jericho, Jesus by divine appointment again seeks one of his lost sheep. Isn't that amazing? Comes to the city that's been destroyed because of idolatry and yet one was saved out of it. One of his lost sheep one of his people. And now he's here by divine appointment seeking one of his his lost sheep that's a, a dreaded publican, the worst of sinners. 
Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. It's what that publican said in Luke 18, the chief of sinners. And Jesus, he, in 19.1, he entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and he couldn't for the press. There was this huge multitude thronging the Lord, and he was this little guy in that just he was little because the Lord had determined him to be little to give us this picture of he couldn't see him by his own his own ability his own his own the things that made him who he was didn't allow him to see Jesus he was short all of sin and come short of the glory of God I think Paul wrote we're all, and we're all in that condition spiritually that he portrayed and pictured for us in a in a physical way. And he wanted to see Jesus who he was, but he could not for the press because he was little of stature. And, and <clears throat> this spiritual metaphor is just another example of unless a man be born again from above. Uh, you, you might find that word in your margins in John chapter Three, where Jesus speaking to Nicodemus says, "Unless a man be born again," but it also has the connotation of from above. It has to come from above. It it can't be generated within or locally. And and unless a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. What a picture of Zacchaeus! He wanted to see, for and his motivation was to see. And you know we all we all react to motivations in our lives, and we find out that the Lord causes those in us. He causes the circumstances that motivate us, and and he wanted to see him because he was famous, and it doesn't really elaborate on the reasons that he said he wanted to see Jesus who he was, and he was very famous. Jesus was renowned. I mean, just healed a blind guy down the road, and. And he raised the people from the dead and healed lepers and did all kinds of wonderful things and kind of had a reputation for being a friend to publicans and sinners. And Zacchaeus says, I'd like to see this guy. But yet he could not. And, you know, interestingly enough, the name Zacchaeus means, in the Hebrew means, pure, one who's righteous. And he was the exact opposite of that in his life. In his natural condition, he was the very opposite. He was kind of a robber, a corrupt, an extortioner. By his own confession, he says, when the Lord saved him and revealed himself to him, he says, oh, if I've taken anything from anybody by false accusation, I restore them fourfold. Well, you know where that comes from? That comes from Exodus and Leviticus. That's what you were... If you if you raised a false accusation against someone and stole their sheep or their ox, there was a, you, there was a rate of payback. If you stole an ox, you had to give back five. If you stole a sheep, you had to give that sheep back plus four more. 
He says, if I've taken anything by false accusation, I've restored, I will restore it fourfold. And uh, in his natural condition, he would never seek the Lord. There's none, Romans 3 says, there's none that understand, there's none that seeketh after God. <laughs> so that makes that very clear to us that something happened to him to cause him, to motivate him to act and do what he did. And and so then it, it must be by divine direction that he, he sought the Lord. There's none that understand. There's none that seeketh after God. Just as that blind beggar whose spiritual blindness had to be removed to seek and to see the Lord, to look up, Zacchaeus needed every bit as much divine direction in his life to cause him to seek the Lord. And and though he couldn't see him as Jesus, yet he was compelled to seek him because he was a child of God, a child of Abraham who was drawn by irresistible grace because of everlasting love. And we find that from Jeremiah 31.3. I've loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And we, we find that repeated in John chapter 6, verse 37. Uh, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. They'll overcome the things that the world puts in their way by my power. I'll, cl- I'll cause them to climb up that sycamore tree if that's what it takes. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I'll no wise cast out. And then he says, and no man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him. And and so there's the situation that we find Zacchaeus in. And, and imagine, you know, there's this trail. There's, we mentioned these main routes that went into Jericho from the west and the north and the south and the east. And, and he, he said, well, here's the main trail. We're all, they're all going to come down. Jesus is going to come down this trail to Jericho. Here's where it goes. I'll run ahead because I know where they're going to be. And I'll get up that tree and maybe I can see him. And when he gets there, and he's waiting. He's waiting. And Jesus comes below that tree and stops. And he looks up. And he says, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. And he says, how did he know my name? (laughs) How could he know? How could he know I'm up this tree and how could he know my name? And not only did he say, come down, he says, for today I must abide in thy house can you imagine the shock can you just imagine the one who doesn't have any friends except other publicans 
the most famous guy in the land comes up and looks up and calls him by name and says, I'm coming to your house today. How could he know? To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name. John chapter 10, verse 3. And he leads them out. He calls them by name. He knows them. You know, he knew 1,500 years before. (coughs) One of my sheep's in that city. And he arranged that everyone in that city would be killed except except Rahab and her kin. Everything torn down, everything destroyed. He knew. He knew his name. It's like Nathaniel. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said, Behold indeed an Israelite in whom is no guile. And Nathaniel said, when, whence knowest thou me? Where do you know me from? I don't even remember seeing you before. And Jesus said, Before Philip called you, when you was underneath that fig tree, I saw thee. And he says, I was, I would, I was pretty sure I was alone there. I kind of scoped it out and Nobody nobody was around. Nobody saw me. <laughs> and Jesus just came to town. And he says, when you were under that fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel was under that tree and Zacchaeus was up that tree. There's some connection there. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. I must today I must abide in thy house. I must, I must. Boy, we've we've gone over that so many times in our Bible classes when the Lord says, I must needs go through Samaria. I must needs go down to Gadara. I must go here, I must go there. It's because he has his sheep. He's going to call them by name and lead them out. And it was appointed in the covenant of grace that Zacchaeus would meet the gospel at this very place, at that very moment. The walled city, the walls of his security torn down, the goodness of God leading him to repentance and turning from those idols that he depended on and worshipped to worshiping the true and living God. And he says, suddenly all these things that he accumulated didn't seem to have that much value to him. And he says, I got these by Ill, ill-gotten means. Half my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anybody's money by false accusation, I restore them fourfold. You know what John called that? He says, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, which doesn't mean give me a list of stuff you're going to do to show me how good you are. It's, it's bring some evidence of grace in your life. Bring some evidence of what has taken place in your life that's, that's made you different. 
And so he came down and he received Christ joyfully. Well, there's a thing that doesn't happen unless one has got a new heart because he says, I'll give you a heart to know me and to love me. And and then you will, then things will, then you'll recognize, well, I've stolen stuff from the, a lot of people by extortion, <laughs> by false accusation. If you don't uh, pay me uh, extra 10 bucks, I'm going to tell the Romans that you're an insurrectionist and I have connections. And it may not be true, but you're going to have to prove it to them. <laughs> It'll be up to you. And that's going to cost you a lot more than the five shillings that I want. You'll probably have to give the Romans 10 shillings to turn you loose. So it's cheaper to pay me. <laughs> so if I've done that, I'm giving them back fourfold. <clears throat> so Jesus has gone to be the guest in the home of a man who is a sinner. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the gospel in the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's what Paul said. I am I am like <clears throat> the worst sinner. I am the 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 worst. And so Zacchaeus he brings forth this fruit, meat for repentance, this evidence of saving grace and and he says, if I've taken anything, I restore him fourfold. And you can find that in Leviticus uh, 6 5 and Exodus 22 1. We're, we'll read those today because we're running out of time. And, and Jesus, he explains why this transformation has happened. He said, This day is salvation come to this house for as much, for the reason. This is the because he also is a son of Abraham. Well, we have to think about back about who else was a son or daughter of Abraham that 1,500 years ago to that day that he was there before. That I have a son of Abraham here now. I had a daughter of Abraham here in the day of Joshua, in the day of Jesus in the day of the Lord of hosts. He was there to seek and to save that which was lost then. He was there this day, straight out of the Old Testament. Ezekiel 34.11 says, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. He doesn't have to search too hard because he knows where they are. That's why he says, I must needs go through Samaria. Not that I'm just going to go searching around to see where somebody might be. He knows. I will seek that which was lost. Ezekiel 34:16. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick but I will destroy the fat and the strong and I'll feed them with judgment. Boy, isn't that a picture of what happened at Jericho back in the day of Joshua? We find then that we seek Him. I think there's a hymn we like to sing. We, we, 
I, I was sought him because I found out he was seeking me, <laughs> something, something to that effect. We seek him because he first sought us. And so then we love him because he first loved us. So we're out of time. We're stopped there uh, till our next time. And we have the, another parable coming up here. So we'll stop there for today. And in the meantime, uh, as always, be free.